27th, the A's took their three-game winning streak to Minnesota for a mid-season showdown. With a three-game lead, the Twins could put Oakland away with a sweep. But that's not how it happened. The undermanned A's won the opener 9-1. And the next day, McGuire slammed two scary home runs. And there's another one. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. It's Minnesota Sports Rewind. Yeah, we've adopted this into Mackie and Judd, where you can find all of the Minnesota Sports Rewind episodes is in the Minnesota Sports Rewind podcast feed, Apple, Spotify, and scorenorth.com. So that's your, that's your place for just Rewind episodes. But we, we love this show so much, and there's no live sports happening. You figure, let's, let's do this on Tuesdays. On Mackie and Judd. Love it. And uh, we've we've talked about this twin season a little bit on our show in the past, but we wanted to dive into, because of the Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, 1998, long gone summer documentary that came out on ESPN, Mark McGuire has been very much topical and top of mind. And we figure, all right, let's, let's pick a twin season that was affected by Mark McGuire in some way. And the 1992 Twins is is the centerpiece of this episode here. One of the least talked about really good Twins teams. Ooh. And the and the, really the end of a championship window mm-hmm. for the Twins. And we're going to go into all of it and why the window closed when it did and what happened late in that season to prevent the Twins from defending their World Series championship in October. So just to set the scene here, the 1992 Twins were red hot to start the season. They were ready to win back-to-back World Series. They had a pretty loaded roster. Kirby Puckett, Chuck Knobloch, Scott Erickson was back for uh, for another big year. Uh, they did lose Jack Morris to the Toronto Blue Jays, but they make a trade for one of the best pitchers in the National League, John Smiley, to bolster the rotation. And also, uh, Kevin Tappany was a really good... The Twins had a really good rotation, and Rick Aguilera as yep. the closer, yep. and Puckett and Herbeck. They also had a 60-38 and 38 record and a three-game lead in the American League West heading into late July. So two-thirds of the way through the season, they're sitting on a three-game lead. They're 60-38. and 38. There's really no reason to expect that they would collapse or not finish strong and maybe flirt with 100 wins. And then they fizzled. They wound up playing sub-500 baseball the rest of the season. They finished 90-72, six games out of first place behind the Oakland A's. And in today's game, with the, with them having the fourth best record in the American League, the Brewers and the Blue Jays in the East had better records, but the Twins had the fourth best record in the American League. They at least would have been a wild card team in 2020. They would have been a wild card team a couple of years later, like in 1995 when they when they realigned. But in this instance, only one team from the West played one team from the East, and that was your championship series to get to the World Series. Pure baseball. Baseball was meant to be. No, let's let's open it up. Let's put everyone in the playoffs. Let's do the College World Series. The American League champion used to play the National League <laughs> champion in the Fall Classic when we were done. <laughs> so let's let's start out with this question. We'll get to the McGuire stuff, but uh, but we're going to let Sports Dad Judd Zolgad answer question number one here. How did little-known utility player Eric Fox play a role in ending the Twins championship window? Okay, so, so the Twins, just to backtrack a little bit, Going into that A-series, the Twins had gone to Boston and had taken uh, three of four. 
in Boston. They are, as you said, Phil Mackey, 60 and 38 at that time. They're three games up on an Oakland team that, by the way, was really, really good and had gone 18 and 9 themselves in June. So this is a really good race. Okay. The A's come to the Dome, and in game one, John Smiley starts, and the Twins lose 9 to 1. Hmm, that's a setback. Two games up. Still have a two game lead. The next night, the Twins lose 12 to 10. Now you're down to one game. Now you get to Wednesday, July 29th, a game that uh, that Don and I actually went to, and I remember to this day, went to Maxwell's beforehand. Oh, eight, eight on the patio. Underrated spot. Eight, eight on the patio at Maxwell's made the short walk to the Metrodome and sat in the right field upper deck before they had secluded off those seats with curtains. A Zolgad date night. It was. Nice. I'm sure she was thrilled to go, too. <laughs> I know she loved regular season baseball games. There's nothing like it. She loved the Bash Brothers, that's for <laughs> who, sure. Who didn't at that time, right? So the Twins lead in that game 4-2 to in the eighth after Knobloch hits an RBI double. Bill Kruger had started and hit a pitch well, but Bill Kruger was, you know, your fifth starter. You're not going to have him attempt a complete game against the Oakland A's, and so you bring in your guy, Aggie, who I looked this up last night at that point, had 29 saves in 33 attempts and had only blown one save. And so we're on July 29th, had only blown one save since May the 7th. The game is over. The Twins are up by two. This game is done. The lead is going to go back up to two games. They're in great shape. Until Aggie gives up singles to a guy named Jerry Brown and Hall of Famer Harold Baines. Those. Runners eventually move to second and third. And up comes a rookie, a no-name rookie by the name of Eric Fox. Mm. Eric Fox would go on to hit, after this, four more home runs in his career. Okay? 1-1 pitch. Eric Fox blasted out to right. Three-run shot. It is now 5-4. to four. And at that time, the, the A's had their own special closer, by the name of Dennis Eckersley. Game over indeed. And at that point in time, the Twins and A's are tied in the standings. Um, Amazingly, the Twins fell apart so badly post that series that by September 16th, they were nine games back of the Oakland A's. Uh, wouldn't it be awesome if you could hear Eric Fox's comments after that series? Obscure utility oh, player. I'm sure you can't find it. Oh, Declan found oh, Eric weird. Fox's comments. Then, in the finale, Minnesota took a 4-2 lead into the ninth. But once again, had to deal with Mr. Fox. Aguilar to Fox. Deep right field. If it stays fair, it is. Probably the biggest swing of my life. I hit it into the right field seats and kind of surprised everyone. I still see the highlight film and they they pan into the the dugout and they show Jose's expression and and Tony's expression and uh, it's just it was like a dream come true. We ended up winning that game five to four and and that got us even on the division. And from then on, it seemed like they just they went downward and we went upward. So and and I was you know I was seven years old. Declan was. Declan was not even a conversation over drinks uh, yet. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I wasn't. So what? What? Uh, yeah, it might have been. What was the? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, how many drinks? Actually, let's dive into yeah, that. Yeah. So, Judd, what? What was the feeling? Because that was the first time when the when the Twins had that three game lead. They're going into that series. Yep. They're 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 playing three games at home. 
and it's, you know, there's two months to go in the season. There's really no reason at that point. It, it had really been two years since Twins fans felt any kind of doom and gloom, right? They, 1991, they, had, they, they rolled off the winning streak. 90, they May. were bad. Uh, so, like, 1990. got hot, yes. Yep, 90 was the last time that you yep. really felt doom and gloom. Yep. What was it like entering that series? And then was there was there a sense after that series? Because because that series basically shut the window. Like, that was the, yeah, the no, handing off no. of the baton. The, the answer to your second question is no. There was no feeling like, what? I mean, it was, they're a good team. The A's are good. It was it was hard to lose that, that game based on, on the fact that your closer in, in Eggie, who was really good at that point, had given up a home run to a guy named Eric Fox, who you didn't know. But, like, there was never a feeling of, oh, my God, oh, oh, what's going on here? I do remember this, and I don't know why, and it's one of those weird things that sticks in your head, and, and I can't explain it. I remember in the summer of 92, it must have been before this series. It was probably late June or in July at, at some point, and this series took place in late July. I remember I was driving to Ridgedale, and I was going, and I don't know why I recall this, but I was going west on 394. And thinking to myself about the Twins, and I thought, this is the best Twins team of, of my lifetime, including 87, which was a dominant team at home. I don't think that that was a great team, but at the Metrodome, they were great. The 91 team, really damn good, really, really strong. But I remember, and I don't know why, but I remember the place and I remember the timing of thinking, oh my God, this is really the best. If you look at this entire Twins team right now, this is the strongest Twins team in my lifetime. I would say uh, the the bullpen was incredible. Like you had you had five or six guys all with ERAs under three, and obviously Rick Aguilera uh, was one of the better closers in all the baseball. You also had Mark Guthrie as one of the more reliable yep. relievers in the early nineties. Eventually went on to play for the Dodgers. Absolutely, Mike Trombley. Mike Trombley was a really good American young, reliever. Young Mike Trombley, huh? Yep. So you had all, you had all these guys, and the only thing I would say is their lineup, and we'll get into sort of the, the erosion of this championship window here. Mm-hmm. So you had Kirby Puckett at the center, and Kirby Puckett batted three twenty nine and drove in a hundred, and and Shea Mack had a career season batting over three hundred, and Chili Davis was still pretty solid, but Herbeck was kind of eroding by this point. His power was going down. Well, Chili Davis's power had kind of disappeared. Chuck Knobloch had not found the vitamins yet that he found apparently in the 1990s. I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea. Why. No twins did that. So there, and Scott Leas was kind of a black hole offensively at third base. So you you did have. I think you had more holes in that lineup maybe in 1992 than we would like to. Believe. There was there was one indication, and it actually came in March of '92 that things might not go perfectly, and it was a very very odd. Day, March 28th of 1992, Twins announced, I believe it was that morning, that they have traded a first baseman, Paul Sorrento, to Cleveland for a couple of minor league pitchers, okay? Because Kent was playing first base, and you didn't know. I mean, he it, he was well into his career, but he certainly wasn't done at that point mm-hmm. in our minds. That day, the Twins, so the day of the trade, Saturday, the Twins travel to uh, St. Petersburg, Florida, to play the St. Louis Cardinals at that time in an exhibition game, okay? Herbeck, and I don't know why on earth he did this, Herbeck essentially, as I recall, belly flops headfirst into third base sliding and hurts his shoulder. He is out for six weeks. D- dislocated his left 
shoulder on a godforsaken slide that to this day I don't get because it's a spring training game and can't, you know, in spring training, really. Uh, but Sorrento, who went to Cleveland and and certainly had some power, Sorrento would have been the guy then to open the season at first base for the Twins. Herbeck uh, came back in in a late April series after he missed the first or I'm sorry, wait, 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 wait. Let me backtrack here. So he came back in late April against the A's. Um, but it was a very bizarre deal. And Sorrento would have been perfect, but he would have been a good fill-in. And you said to yourself, man, the timing of that was really bad. Yeah. Well, here's my next key question for you. Yep. Let's just get right to it. Mark McGuire has been the subject of discussions all around the country and steroid use in that era, and he is an admitted steroid user. Mm-hmm. He was definitely, even with the A's, like, it wasn't like he got to the Cardinals and just started juicing for 98. Mark McGuire was was using substances along with a large percentage of the league, and we don't know if Twins players were using in that period. We can only speculate, but we know Mark McGuire was doing steroids in 1992, right? Mm-hmm. Game two of that series, this is the pivotal series of the season, right? The Twins, as the narrator said off the top of the show here, the Twins can put the A's away if they take two out of three or if they take all three games. So game three is the Eric Fox three-run homer game. But game two is the Mark McGuire game. So the A's wind up winning that game 12-10. to 10. It was a high-scoring game. Mm-hmm. But the Twins had a 6-2 to two lead early on. Scott Erickson on the mound. So you could argue the Twins had their ace on the mound. Well, John Smiley is probably their ace. But, like, their yeah. they're, they're 1B ace on the mound. Yep. And they've got a 6-2 lead. By the way, the two runs that the A's scored in that 6-2 to two equation, was it was a two-run homer in the first inning off Scott Erickson. Well, Mark McGuire walked up to the plate again in the top of the fifth inning with two men on base and launches another home run, his second home run in the first five innings of that game, to put the A's up, or I'm sorry, to bring the A's within one run. Mark mm-hmm. McGuire single-handedly drove in five runs on two home runs in that second game of the series, one of the most pivotal games of the season. My question is, did Mark McGuire's steroid use help end the Twins' championship window in late July of two thousand of, of 1992? I think the answer is yes. It helped. End, well, well, wait, wait, wait. It helped end that season, but the Twins went into a huge tailspin and then were so awful after that for so many years that I can't. McGuire played an itty-bitty role, I think, but... The Twins after, so from 1992 to, to 2000, just to put this into context, okay? After that game, so starting with the A series in July of that year, the Twins for the rest of the 1992 season went 30 and 34, okay? From 92 to 2000, though, so the whole kit and caboodle, they never finished above 500 in a season until 2001. And post post Eric Fox, they went 558 and 733 in 1,291 games. 432 baseball. So, did McGuire help derail the 92 Twins to a certain degree? I think we could go there. I will add did that, it help end their championship window? That's a stretch. I will add, Mark McGuire, when you start with that series the rest of the way, so when Oakland Oakland is taking the division from the Twins in 1992. Yes. Mark McGuire in 41 games hit 13 home runs, slugged over 600. Yep. So his his 41 games if you extrapolate out to 162, 
the pace he hit at from that twin series on on the way uh, to the end of the season. Yep. A 51 home run pace, 115 RBI pace, and an OPS over 1,000. Big Mac. Andrew, man. Kept it fresh. We're rocking those vitamins. And can't ending the Twins championship run. And so after that A's uh, got done in July, he played 34 games, Kent did. And Herbeck hit 172 in his last 34 games, four home runs, knocked in 12 runs. So, yeah, yeah, they basically came undone. It was, it's one of the most remarkable things. And back to your question, though, nobody on God's green earth, I think, thought to themselves, man, that was really bad. And I wonder if it's going to be worse for the next, what, 10 years or something like that. It would have been hard to years. And I have have something on that, too. But let's go back to... uh, to John Smiley for a second here. Here's my next key question for you. Mm-hmm. Is John Smiley, when you look back, he, he spent one year with the Twins. Is John Smiley one of the most forgotten about big transactions in Minnesota sports history? Yes. So John Smiley with Pittsburgh. Yes, he is. This dude, just for, for some perspective here, this guy uh, comes up with the Pittsburgh Pirates in the late 1980s. So he played on the Barry Bonds Pittsburgh Pirates teams in the late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. He's an all-star with Pittsburgh in 1991 as a 26-year-old. He goes 20-8, and a 3.08 earned run average, and he was third in Cy Young Award voting, 14th in MVP voting mm-hmm. in 1991. So he's like one of the three or four best starting pitchers in all of baseball, and it wasn't a fluke because he had seasons with ERAs 2.81 in 1989 and 3.25 in 1988. He was just a really good top-of-the-line starting pitcher. And the Twins traded for him. They traded Denny Nagel, who wound up having a pretty darn good career in the National League. It's it's one of these rare Twins trades where they give up a top prospect for one of the best pitchers in all the baseball. They gave up two. Cummings was... Midre Cummings. Yeah, yep. he, he he was supposed to be a, a stud. But I think, you know, for all of the, the rightful griping we've done over the past several years, yes. like, hey, make, make a trade. This was a Put huge you over deal. the top. This was huge. I do wonder if this type of a trade did make, because Terry Ryan's part of the organization. Um, you know, I wonder if this type of a trade, and Garden Hire was a, was a coach on the staff, because it didn't work out. Yeah. Ultimately, they wound up losing those prospects and losing John Smiley after the 92 season and didn't make the playoffs. So mm-hmm. I wonder if, if the organization. So here's my key question. Two parts. Is this the most forgotten about big transaction in Minnesota sports history? And did this transaction make the Twins gun-shy for 20 years? The answer to question one is, I think, probably yes. Because this was a spring training trade. This was a huge deal. This was a, Jack Morris is gone, are you going to do something? And they're like, hell yeah! Which, you know, we've seen a lot of Twins teams and teams in this town be like, yeah, probably not. Uh, So... The answer question one is, yes, I believe that the potential impact here in going and getting a a guy who, to your point, had won 20 games in 91 and finished third in Cy Young uh, voting in the National League was absolutely a huge trade. Now, did it make them gun shy? Never thought about that. And it's a possibility. But I don't know that Terry Ryan had the same DNA for making impact moves that McPhail had. Yeah. Andy Andy was wired, I think, far more to identify a window and say, let's go for it right now. So if Smile if the Smiley trade works out and the twins go to the playoffs, let's say they don't win the World Series, but they go to the World Series. I don't know that changes Terry's outlook on life completely. 
because McPhail, in my mind, was a goal for it guy. Not sure about you, Phil. I never really saw Terry that way. No, so I, I don't. I very don't, much never a go. For so it. I don't think. I don't think that this swayed him. It it might have convinced him a little bit more not to do this. But Andy and Terry, while friends and and certainly effective um, coworkers, I don't think had the same outlook on life when it came to baseball transactions. This was the right trade to make, though. Even yeah. though the this is this is the problem that a lot of these you know, close to the best GMs have is I'm not advocating for always trading top prospects for top pitchers. If the window isn't open, then you should be careful about that. And and, and I think the twins are in a spot right now in 2020, if it wasn't such a wacky, uh, you know, pandemic ridden summer here, they would be in a position to where you should be looking to trade top prospects for established players because you can win a world series right now. And in 1992, yeah, the twins already had a world series, but they had a chance to win another one. They yeah, had they had they no were reason. Really good team. They had no reason to believe that they couldn't go out and win back to back World Series in 1992. Mm-hmm. And so, even though in retrospect you only got one year of John Smiley, you didn't make the playoffs, and you wind up Denny Nagel wound up being a really good starting pitcher for I don't know ten plus years. And some of his statistics are a little bit skewed because he played for the Colorado Rockies in the middle of like peak home run Coors Field. Yeah. So it's if you go back and look at Denny Nagel's numbers, it's it's a little bit tough to. Uh, to see just how talented he was, but it doesn't make it the wrong trade. And I just think the twins can learn a lesson from this, not by lamenting the fact that, Oh my God, see, see what we did. You give up some prospects and it doesn't work out. No, you should keep doing stuff like this. And I don't think Derek Falvey and Thad Levine need that pep talk, but this is the, this is the model trade right here, even though it didn't work. And the good thing too, you should be looking to make, it came in March. It didn't come in July. It came in March. It was incredibly proactive and, and, Coming off a year when when you had won a World Series and then Jack Morris skipped town, it was great. I mean, fans were jacked about it. Of course, the game that you needed him most, yeah. that A's game, he okay. winds up giving up five runs and, on seven hits in six innings and gets beat. But I, so you could make that but case. I but did find a John Smiley quote from that trade that leads me to this question. Because we got Tom Herr, who supposedly cried on the plane from St. Louis uh, to to uh, his flight here. He cried. He was so upset to be traded to a team that, by the way, had won a World Series against Tom Hurst's team. Here's the John Smiley quote. He had been traded from Pittsburgh, okay? So it's not like the Yankees. It's not like the Bronx Bombers had traded him. His quote the day of the trade, I'm surprised and shocked by it. I had no idea this was coming. I had no desire to leave Pittsburgh. This is the only organization I've ever known. I'm disappointed. I'm going to miss these guys. Why the hell can't anybody embrace us? <laughs> Think about that. You just got traded to a team. Hey, and Josh Pittsburgh Donaldson was loves good. it here. Josh Donaldson, I hear, loves the Lakes. Right, because he signed here. But I'm saying, like, what's... John Smiley played for a Pittsburgh team that was going to the playoffs at Barry Bonds and was very good. I understand all of that, okay? But you just got traded to a team that won a World Series. You're going to replace Jack Morris. You should embrace this opportunity. It's a damn good team. And another guy that pissed and moaned about being traded. Actually, Minnesota. actually, here's we can mix in segment within a segment here. Alternate reality, okay? Okay. Pittsburgh Pirates edition. <laughs> the, the 1992 Pittsburgh. Go Pirates, ahead, Jim Leland. The 1992 Pittsburgh Pirates went 96 and 66. They finished first place in the National League East, and they lost in seven games in an epic National League championship series. The Braves beat them. I believe that was the bang bang play at the plate. The Sid like, Bream? Was that the Sid, Sid Bream year? 92? Just an epic NLCS series against the Braves. All right. 
is it possible that if he would have just stuck, if they hadn't traded one of the best starting pitchers in baseball, that they would have had enough ammunition to beat the Braves in that series? Do the Pittsburgh Pirates win the World Series in 1992 if they don't make that trade with the Twins, trade John Smiley? Something to think about. I've never even considered the Pittsburgh Pirates and that's, play. And that's the end of our Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh was Pirates good, though. Reality. Pittsburgh was good at the time. The other thing about John Smiley uh, that makes you smile from 1992, John Smiley had four games with the Twins in which he pitched nine innings and gave up zero earned runs. A couple of them had, like, an unearned run given up. Really? He ended the season mm-hmm. with three... Con- now, the, the race was basically over, so there's no pressure the last three. I mean, the Twins... They were within like five games the last weekend, but mathematically the Twins were pretty much eliminated with like two weeks to go in the season. Sure. So his last three starts really didn't matter, but his last three starts of the season, nine innings, nine innings, nine innings, Mm -hmm. zero runs, zero runs, one run, one walk total over those three games. Whoa. Ridiculous. What's the pitch count? Could have used that in late July. You see pitch counts? Yeah, 94, 103, and 80. Oh, Uh, snappy 80 game. Whoa. 80 pitch complete game. Yeah, he's a good pitcher. All right, here's the next Just key question. Just here. Yeah. The next key question. Yeah. Was it inevitable that this was the end of the Twins winning window in 1992? Because they, th- this is, then the 1993, 90, like 93 wasn't a total disaster, but. What was 93? I, I got all the records right here. It got. 71 and 91. Okay. It was pretty bad then. Yeah. 94 was more competitive, wasn't it? The, the strike shortened year? 53 and 60, 44 games out of first place. Okay. What? 53 and 60, and they were 40 games out of first? 44, I think, behind what? Cleveland. Yeah, look <laughs> look it up. It's it's almost mathematically impossible to be as bad as the uh, as the uh, Twins were. Well, but they, but no, but you said they were 53 they were, and 60. Yeah, that's only seven games under 500. Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. 95, 56. And idiot. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That was the terrible season. So, um, so, but, but it, it, could they have extended this window somehow is the question. You know, but I think the answer is yes, but it requires them going back and not whiffing on a ton of first round draft picks. Yes. So, so age was becoming a factor. Kent Herbeck was 32. Yes. Brian Harper was 32. Uh, uh, Greg Gagne was 30. Puckett and Chili Davis were both 32. And so they needed... Like, Puckett was still going to be good, as we know, for a few more years, but they needed an influx. They needed that next wave of players to come through. Yep. So, here's the problem. Okay. Starting in 1986, Derek Parks was their first-round pick, 10th overall. Catcher. Disaster. Mm-hmm. Now, he was a right-handed pitcher as well, wasn't he? Wasn't he a pitcher in their I system? he was a catcher. Either way, he didn't, he didn't do really, anything, so it doesn't really matter. in the major leagues. Doesn't really matter. Uh, Willie Banks. No, Bust, yeah. third overall, He's, 1987. Yeah, that's a big one. That's a big swing and a miss. 1988, they drafted a guy named Johnny Ard, 20th overall. <laughs> I remember the names. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> 89, they nailed Chuck Knobloch in the first round. Okay. But then it was 1990. So this is like the late 80s, early 90s, when you need these dudes to come up through your system and contribute. These are your first-round picks. Okay. Todd Ritchie in 1990. Mm-hmm. He pitched for a few years in the big leagues, but yeah, it was a disaster. I didn't do much. Midre Cummings they in 1990. In the Smiley trade. Yep. And 1991, they said, all right, it's thumper time. David McCarty and Scott Stahoviak oh, in yeah. the first round. Yeah. Bust, bust. And, and am I correct in saying, without uh, going to baseball reference, that um, Scott Stahoviak actually probably had a better big league career than McCarty? Uh, I don't know. Hold on a second here. Did, did they play? Get, let's get to the bottom of this. I mean, because McCarty was supposed to be a star. He was, he was going to be, you know. All right, let's get to the bottom of this. We're okay. going to do this on the air. I'll go to Stahoviak because I, uh, I, 
I remember him eventually playing first base. Sometimes Creighton, right? He played at Creighton. Did he? I don't yeah, I think he did. I think I, I think he played in the College World he Series. Wow, yeah. wow, he did. Yeah, he's from he's from Omaha, Nebraska. Okay. Yeah, I remember. I believe he played in the College World Series. Uh, David McCartney went to Stanford. By the way, Dan Serafini was 1992's first round okay. pick, and then they finally got Torrey Hunter in '93. But by the, but like seven years of basically whiffing on your first round picks and Chuck Knobloch being the only guy of substance. That's how you go from championship caliber to nothing in the 90s. And McPhail, if I, I believe that McPhail left for the Cubs during the strike in 94. Uh, Scott Stachowiak in um, 344 big league games and 1,019 at-bats, hit 256, hit 27 Ooh, home runs, and drove fight. in 119 runs. Ooh, the edge goes slightly to David McCarty, who had who had a 242 career average but 36 home runs. 175 RBIs and somehow (laughs) somehow stretched out he played in the big leagues for parts of 11 seasons David McCarty inexplicably Stahoviak lasted five so McCarty played for the Twins he played for the Red Sox where else did he play game show within a uh, within a show here go ahead he played for the Twins he played played for for the Red Sox seven teams Did, did he play for San Francisco for a while he did. Did he play for Kansas City for a while? Yes. Wow, this is amazing. Okay, I don't think I know the last three, though. Come on. Um, I'd They're all to- American League teams. I'd be totally guessing. Um, I don't know. The, the two, two of these teams are teams that you would absolutely expect to take a flyer on David McCarty. Oakland? Yep. <laughs> uh, I said Kansas City because that would be the yep. other one. He played until 2005, if that gives you reference. Did he really? Who's the other team that would Tampa totally- Bay? Yep. <laughs> All right, who's the last one? Seattle's the last one. Okay. He played eight games in That's Seattle. That's awesome that I got th- that all you had to say. Stahoviak played five years. I didn't realize he had uh, he had stints with the Twins in 93, 95, 96, 97, 98. So his entire career, all 344 games, was as a twin. Man. So, all right, final key question for you here on That's Minnesota just, Sports Rewind. That's just awful. Where would yeah. you rank this tw- the, the 1992 Twins team, which they fizzled late, but the yep. collection of talent, yep. the sixty and thirty-eight hot start, yep. championship window. Uh, where would you rank this Twins team in terms of how good they are historically, franchise? Well, I'll just behind go, ninety-one probably, but I'll just go in my in my lifetime of watching Twins teams. I would probably put them now. I'd probably put them at the tail end of my top five, probably. I think oh, that, nine, that might be a little aggressive, but ni- 91. 65. Yeah, I'm. I, I was not including that, but I, I think. Oh, in your lifetime, I, I think the three. I think the three teams that went to and two of them won a World Series. Even though I think the '92 team was actually, for a big part of that season, better than the '87 team, it's not fair to put them above that team. What about the What about the last year's Twins? The 2006 Twins, for sure, probably are above that '92 team. Last year's Twins are going to be on this list somewhere. Yeah, the record-setting offense. You know. Yeah, last year's twins were better. They were just by default. They were better. I mean, they had more yeah, wins. They exactly. went to the playoffs. The pitching, the pitching in '92 was impressive until the collapse, obviously. But yeah, so let's say the '92 Twins would be at the end of my top five or just outside of it. All right, because the collapse was pretty epic. Yeah, like I can't, I can't dismiss that collapse. I just remember into July thinking this is a hell of a ball club. Like, this is a really complete, really good team, yeah. I thought. Yeah, I think that I think, you know, without having 
remembered a ton about like '87. I was I would I don't. Remember but they won it, a World Series, so you gotta. This team was better than the '87 team, but the '87 team played better at home. They got right. hot when it mattered, and, were, yeah, and, that, exactly. and that matters. And they're clearly more clutch, et cetera, et cetera. So. Yep. All right, well, that's a wrap on this episode of Minnesota Sports Rewind, uh, which we are adopting Again, inside Mackie and Judd. 558 and 733 after the Eric Fox game. Man, that was crazy. the rest of the 90s and the first year of the aughts. This was a springboard for a dark era of Twins baseball. That series was a springboard for a dark era of Twins baseball. Tell me why I remember driving to Ridgedale and thinking this was the best Twins team I've seen, though. <laughs> That's what I want to know. What the hell's wrong with my head? But you don't know where you put your glasses, just like just I like Royce. Take them off. So uh, you can always uh, you can always find the full list of episodes. 20-plus episodes of Minnesota Sports Rewind on the Minnesota Sports Rewind podcast feed, Apple, Spotify, and scorenorth.com. 